Okay, I'm the announcement person, but I just have so many friends here that it's hard for me to get back up to the stage, so. All right, so announcements for this Sunday. Um, and this is upcoming events. We have Moving the Soul coming up. This is a, well, I'm sorry. My name is Adam Gendron. I am the junior high leader here at Granite Creek. And um, I just want to, hi. And I just want to uh, point you guys to these connection cards. Um, please fill this card out and it rips, it tears out. It's perforated for your convenience. And at the end of service, you're gonna go ahead and turn these in, okay? When we take the offering at the end, you can put it right in the basket, so. Um, all right, so coming up, we have Moving the Soul. That's every Saturday. That's a walking group where um, it's kind of like a, um, a time of fellowship and meditative um, exercise, which is very cool. Uh, the Granite Creek 101 class, there's one going on right now, and then the second half will be next week. Um, that is at first service, and to get there, you go up the stairs um, and then just follow the hallway around and make a left in your first set of double doors. Um, and that's going to be at 9.30. The Servant Appreciation Dinner. If you've served in any capacity, um, we do this around Valentine's Day because it's a, it's a time for expressing love, and we want to do that for all of the people who have served here. So um, if you were in the nativity, if you, were, uh, if, you, if you were part of any part of the nativity, if you were um, teaching, leading, volunteering, if you were in Fall Into Fun, if you have brought food, if you have helped with any type of ministry or in any capacity, um, I, sent, I sent Kim an email to remind her that she was invited. I'm sure... Like, like half of our church invited her, but I was one of those people also, and I said, hey, you, you're invited. I, I wanted to invite you, and she said, um, I didn't even help with junior hires. I said, yeah, remember that one time when you made those pancakes last year for, for the junior high pancake breakfast? She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, everything qualifies. I mean, even, even if she would have helped make the pancakes, but so anyways, my point is, if you help in any capacity, make sure you come, and we want to uh, express our love for you and our appreciation on that day. Um, that's February 22nd at 6 p.m. right here. Um, the marriage retreat, February 20, 20th through 22nd at the Ayers Suites in Ontario Mills is coming up, and um, Granite Creek 201, the follow-up to the 101, which is going on right now, uh, on the 22nd uh, at 9.30 in the lounge, and it's also on March 1st. And then the meals ministry. If you are interested in providing meals for um, families that are going through a tough time, um, you know, surgeries, babies, um, all kinds of other stuff that is part of life, sometimes people just need a hand to get a meal prepared. And we have that ministry. So if you're interested, you can contact Jennifer, and there is a phone number right here, and that's actually our church's phone number. And if you're interested in going to the Band of Brothers training camp, that is at Pondo, Camp Ponderosa Pines in, uh, up by Big Bear. It's a really cool camp. We take the high schoolers and junior hires there every year, so it's, it's really a blast. Um, you can talk to Aaron Brook, and you can register now, and it's April 30th through May 3rd. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to, the, to myself, Adam, as your exercise coach. So I am no longer your um, announcement person. I am now your exercise coach. So let me get my chair. And we're all going to do a short exercise and warm-up. And I'm going to talk a little bit fast right now because there's kind of a lot of um, information I want to give you as to why we're going to be doing this. Our bodies were created to do functional compound movements, meaning that we use more than one joint at a time. And these movements are um, for a reason. So 
Many of us say, Adam, I would love to go exercise or work out, but I can't even do a squat. Well, I'm going to teach you how to progress into the ability to do a squat. Okay, now, whenever you do a squat, which is one of the most fundamental movements our bodies were created to do, if you see a little kid bend over to pick something up, they don't do it like this, they do it like this. The reason is because that's how we're supposed to pick things up. It keeps our back safe. Now, when you do a squat, your shoulders should be just over your hips. You should just bend down a little bit and... Um, you should keep your back straight, okay? Now, I know that a lot of us cannot do that. Some of us can't even stand up out of a chair. So what we're going to do is what I call chair sits. And this is something you can do at work. This is something you can do at home. This is something you could do just a few of, and it'll help get circulation and blood flowing. And I guarantee you, after you do this, you will be in a better mood. Okay, so I'm going to demonstrate it first. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Blood flow, circulation causes a, an increase in happy hormones. Okay, so, so, so what I want you guys to do, and don't do it yet, I'm going to demonstrate, is you're going to stand up just like this. Now, sometimes you're going to find yourself having to lean forward to stand up. That is because your, um, your hamstrings are not very strong right now, and your body isn't used to um, standing up like that. So if you have to lean forward, I want you to fight that as much as you can by when you cough and you feel your tummy tighten, tighten that tummy. So you're going to just stand up, keeping your shoulders right up over your hips. If you can't do that, what I want you to do, you'll be sitting at the end of your chair just like this. I want you to put your hand on the chair in front of you and push up. Whatever you do, try not to stand up like this, okay? Try not to let your, your, your chest come forward in order to give your body leverage. So I want you guys to just try and stand up as straight as you can, keeping your shoulders over your hips, okay? Okay, and back down. Okay, and one more time. Stand straight up. Good. And you can kind of sit back down. You kind of visualize a string attached to your hips that's pulling you guys up. Okay, and one more time. Back up and down. Good, good. See, now if you notice, your body kind of wants to go like this sometimes. People, people who haven't done a lot, uh, much exercise lately, if we have a job where we sit a lot and our lifestyle is a little more sedentary, it's hard to do that. So go ahead and stand back up and back down. Good. And back up. <laughs> and down. Okay, good. Now, if you want to do these, since we have this, we, since we're doing how we love and we're, um, we're working on our relationships and our marriages, you can also do this exercise with your spouse. You take two chairs and face them together. And then what you'll do is you'll just cup each other's fingers like this. So you hold on to each other's hands and you use the person in front of you for leverage and you stand up. And if you want, since you guys are going to be in the perfect position right across from each other, you can add a little kiss at the end, which is very, very precious. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I'm not romantic. So uh, you guys just stand up. Okay, so let's do, let's do five, okay? And I'm going to count it out. So when I say up, we all stand up, okay? And up, one, back down. And up, two, back down. Good. And up, three, back down. And up, four, back down. And up, five, and back down. Good job. And now, you guys, from there, this is how we progress into a squat. I'm going to tell you one more little thing real quick. This is how you progress into the squat. You get a lower chair, right? So you lower your chair height a little bit. Next thing you know, you're down all the way to here, and you're standing straight up. And wow, you just did a squat. There you go. Thank you, Adam. Wasn't that fun? 
I noticed how you guys had smiles on your faces too. You feel silly, right? We did this on Wednesday night because on Wednesday night we have a small group. You know, we have a group going through the study of the Daniel plan. So we did, we did a few different ones, toe touches and whatevers. Anyway, it's, it's a blast. We have the book, by the way, The Daniel Plan, out at the info booth. It's best price in town, 10 bucks, and buy the last eight, so we don't have any more left. <laughs> but it's really a fabulous book. It has recipes. It has a food plan. It has these, all these exercises explained and more, and then what you do every, every week in a 40-day plan to get to get fit. But this week, we're in week four of our six-week series, and it's called Better Together, the Group Factor, or Community, or Why We Need Each Other. And to me, this is a really exciting topic because I love being with people. I love small groups. I'm the small group pastor here. And um, I, I have been in different groups over the years. I've been in a brown baggers group, which was ladies who were working, and we would meet at Wendy's. We didn't really bring a brown bag, but, but we would meet at Wendy's, have lunch, share, you know, maybe go through a book together or a study, but share our prayer requests and l- love each other. Uh, another group Steve and I had in our home was called the 30-something group. Now, back in the 80s, early 90s maybe, there was a show called 30-something, some of you remember. <laughs> so we had this 30-something group, and it really grew. And it was funny because one guy who actually came to the Lord through our church in Cincinnati in his 20s, he showed up when he turned 30. He said, I am so excited I get to come to this group. That was awesome. Well, as, as we go through this, one of the things is people say, I can't have a group in my house. My house, you know, smells bad or I have animals or, you know, I just don't want to clean up one room. <laughs> That's all you have to do is clean up one room and, the, and one bathroom. <laughs> Light a candle in the bathroom, you know, and all of a sudden you have ambiance, right? And if you don't have much room in your house, three people is a group, all right? Did you see the, uh, the thing on uh, one of the Today Show, I think it was this week, about the tiny house movement? People in like 150 square foot houses. And four people and a dog they profiled in this family in Portland. That's a small group. <laughs> well, one of the most extreme examples I had of the benefit and the, and the, the power of small groups was when I went with Steve to, he went to get surgery and brought magazines to read later that day, and you know it was in and out surgery. He went in for laser um, gallbladder surgery, and something went horribly wrong, and he got stabbed kind of through his aorta. And as he bled out and lost consciousness, and they brought him back to life, and it took forever to figure out what in the world was why was his blood pressure going down? Treat him for a heart attack turned him upside down or something, and anyway, they finally figured it out, but in the meantime, he did not come home for six weeks, so my kids were in school, they were seven, ten, and they were seven, fourteen, and seventeen years old, people came and helped us, this was on December 10th, six weeks went through Christmas and New Year's, 
and through the end of January. We, we had help with meals, we had help with our kids, we had help with figuring out if, if we both died at the same time, who would watch our who would be guardians of our children. Those are horrible decisions to have to think about. People even came in and put Christmas, you know, because I was at the hospital every day. They set up Christmas, and uh, after Christmas, they took down Christmas. Um, that is a really extreme example, but the truth is we need each other. You know, our culture, it's very radical counterculture to say that we need each other. Our country has a declaration of independence, right? We want to be independent. We want to be the Lone Ranger. We want to be, you know, I got to be me. We, have, we write songs about it. But the truth is, we, no man, truly no man is an island. We cannot live without other people. And as we invest in other people, we get to reap the benefits of people investing back into us. And you might think, I'm fine. I don't need anyone you know, speaking into my life. But you know what? If you're all that fine, you need to be speaking into some of the other people's lives, right? So it goes both ways. You might think, I'm not that needed, or I don't need others. But the thing is, people need you. People need you. There is a space when you're not there. Uh, Bible says in Romans 12, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God says community is not optional. You know what? We can't fulfill God's purposes for our lives by ourselves. And we want to fulfill God's purposes for our lives. We're always wondering, what am I for? What should I be when I grow up? I still ask that. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're still hungering to matter, to belong, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So part of the thing that happens in community is we learn how to love. We learn how to walk with other people. Now, you might think that, uh, quote, family is enough. But there's a time when your kids move out, and there, there is a smaller group in your house. Or if you're single and you know, you're a house of one, you are still part of a family, and that's Granite Creek. And Granite Creek is part of a family of believers around the world that you have brothers and sisters Blood brothers and sisters, because of Jesus' blood. We have brothers and sisters around the world. You can meet people and kind of like be on the same page immediately because you both love Jesus, because you both have been humbled in front of God and said, help. And when you meet other people like that, you love them because you know that they're also walking the best walk they can walk, just like you. So we're going to look at why do we need God's family specifically, and there's five reasons. Now, the first one is, I need others to walk with me. And if you look in your handout, there's a little place for you to fill in. I need others to walk with me. By the way, family is not the people that you're just stuck with by birth. Family are the people that you choose to be with, all right? 
And you might think, I don't want to be in a small group with a bunch of Jesus freaks. Well, <laughs> be in a small group with people that are like you, you know? Every, and that's a myth, really. That everyone is going to be Bible-thumping crazy people if they really follow after God's heart. It's not true. You're going to be exactly who you are, uniquely you following after God in your stuff, all right? What does it mean? Uh, it means we need others to help us grow spiritually. Just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So why, why is our walk, you know, our lives are often talked about like it's a walk, all right? Where you've walked, you, you know, the, and where you're going, but you don't just stay still. You're not just standing. You're walking. You're going somewhere. And we're on a journey. There's a lot in God's letter to us, which is the Bible. There's a lot that he says, especially in the New Testament, about how to walk. Okay? Walk in wisdom. Walk in love. Walk in the light. Walk in obedience. Walk in the spirit. Walk as Jesus walked. It doesn't say stand, you know, like he did. No, it's walk. And we're not supposed to walk alone. Married or single, we all can deal with loneliness and depression. There are some of the most lonely people in marriages. There are some of the most fulfilled people that are single and vice versa. Being married is not a guarantee for fulfillment. In fact, if you expect that of your spouse, then that is a lot to put on your spouse. Only God can be that for you. Only God can be that fulfilling relationship that you hope for, that you are on, that you are special, that you're loved. All right? So, so we don't walk alone. Why? Let's look at three reasons. It's safer. All right? It's safer. It's just safer to walk with other people. It's supportive. It helps us from not giving up. You know, when we're running, when we're jogging, this group that's meeting at, you know, at 8 o'clock on Saturday, they meet right here. They start walking. They go down Claremont, you know, and they make a loop. That's one mile. They do it again. That's another mile. They do it together. And it's a lot more fun doing something together. When you don't want to wake up in the morning, you say, oh, you know, I don't want to drive over there. But... Susan may have called you the day before and said, please come. And you said you would. So you show up. And then you're glad that you did. It's supportive. When you're in a marathon, <clears throat> you know, life is, is compared more to a marathon than a 50-yard dash. 50-yard dash, you know, it's, it's all out. And it's all yourself. But a marathon, what, what happens in a marathon? You can kind of breathe. You can kind of talk, right? You can kind of, how you doing? You want to walk now? <laughs> but you're with other people. There's, you can actually talk and support one another. You can go farther. Uh, there's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast, but when you run together, you run far. Even geese know in nature, if they fly together, it's a little easier, 
and they break the wind, and it gives a little bit of lift for the ones behind. And then they take turns being the leader so that everyone can kind of have a chance occasionally to ride. We need that, right? And it's smarter. <clears throat> Three reasons. It's smarter. It's just smarter to go through life with others. We learn more. We solve more together. We learn how to cooperate. But you know what? We all go at a different pace. Paul says, don't compare yourself with someone else because there will be faster and slower people. There will be fatter and skinnier. There will be people with more money and people with less money. But do you know what uh, one of the encouraging... Um, I used to be kind of intimidated by, by people that looked like they had it all together especially wealthy or whatever, until I read in, um, I think it's in Isaiah. But actually, I'm not sure exactly where, but it says, it says uh, you fear God. You know, you don't fear God, but you fear man whose breath of life is in his nostrils. Better yet, fear God who holds the power of life and death. It's like, wow, everybody's breath. It's just, hey, that's just a guy with breath in his nostrils. It kind of evens us all out, right? So don't compare. And Genesis says, it's not good for man to be alone when God was making man. It's not good for man to be alone. God hates loneliness. So we have a physical family. We have a spiritual family. And let's continue to meet together. It says, let's not forget the habit of meeting together. Not just the occasionalness, but the habit. It's a habit. And let's make a habit in our small groups to meet together also, because it's harder to be community in a crowd. Community happens in like five, six, ten people. You can know that many people. It's really hard to know a couple hundred people, right? And it's easy to be invisible and come in and go out if you don't take the time. You might say, I come in and go out and no one even talks to me. Hello? It goes both ways. Did you talk to them? Ask someone a question this week. Like the funny one I asked when I said, is it Kathy with a C or K? And it was Joanne. <laughs> Spelled J-O-A-N. But you know what? I will not forget Joanne's name now. So just ask a dumb question and get to know someone a little bit better this week. What part of town do you live in? That kind of thing. All right. Community is God's answer to loneliness. We all need a place where we can practice love. So that's one of your feelings, too. Community is God's answer to loneliness. God is love, and he wants me to learn to love. And the two greatest commandments is love God and love others. So you can't say, oh, I love God, but, you know, but you're a jerk everywhere else in your life. It's funny, uh, talking about us having something to give. In Corinthians 14, you know, the big, the big verse, the big chapter about love is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep record of wrongs. The, right? That hits us, right? But then it goes on to 14, and it says, 
When you gather, each one of you, be prepared with something useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight, take your turn with no one taking over. That way you'll all learn from each other. Do you come into your relationships or work or you know, other things in your life, do you come with something to give, to offer? If something runs by you and you think, I should share that, that is pretty encouraging. File it away in your mind, you know, or take a picture of it and share that with other people. Be a person that is not just gimme, 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 be the black hole. Be a person that is, is oozing out on other people in a good way. I was pretty excited when I was listening to the news this week. I think it was yesterday, and, and there was a boy that was stuck under the ice for 15 minutes, and they got him out, and he was not breathing and was brain dead for half an hour. And that's in the hospital. That's after they finally got him to the hospital. And when his, by the time his mother got there, and she walked in, and she shared this, and they aired it on the news, she walked in and she said, Holy Spirit, it is not time for him to die. Bring him back. Lord, breathe life back into him. And she was just praying out loud, and the other nurses are just like, oh, it's been half an hour. And all of a sudden, boop, 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 his heart started beating. He came back to life. And it was a couple of days before he could talk, and it was a couple of days before, and he's still going through physical therapy, but he was talking like crazy on this news thing. Isn't that cool? Yeah, thank you, Lord. And the nurse said, we couldn't believe it. We all start crying. She said, I had goosebumps all over. Isn't that, I mean, those are, that's the good news. You know, let's share the good news with one another. There's enough bad news. So in Ephesians 4, it says, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. We want to be healthy, growing, and full of love. Um, about growing. Okay, we're in fitness, you know, we're food, all this stuff. We, we don't want to be growing in that way. But, <laughs> but, but we want to begin just a little bit better, right? In, in this workshop that I went to at, with Pixar at a, at a conference at Saddleback a few months ago, Pixar did a conference on how they do things, what their, kind of what their um, culture is, their corporate culture that creates such success. And, and one of the things was um, that they, they said, don't strive for perfection. Strive for 1% better. Strive for 1% better. And he was encouraging pe people in the churches. You know, you can't fix everything, but can you fix one thing? You know, if there was a sign missing and people are like, where is the front door, you know, or whatever. You know, if, if there's something that you can do to help go forward, get 1% better in your own life, what, what is that one thing that you can do? And then you can say, I'm healthy, I'm growing, and I'm full of love. And when you're not, God, I wasn't full of love today. Help me tomorrow. Help me be better tomorrow. Help me not, me not be that guy. 
It's funny, my son, who is 25, he moved out from New York. He works in Silver Lake at Intelligentsia. So if you guys go in there, wave at him. He just looks just like my husband, Steve. And, uh, and he's 25, so, you know, there was a time there where, you know, wake up late, you know, don't do your 100%. And he said one day he, he just decided, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be the guy who doesn't have it together. I'm not going to be the guy who stumbles in late all the time. I don't want to be that guy. But it took a choice. You know, he's like, okay, I don't want to be that guy. And maybe it wasn't all at once, but it was a choice that he said, I'm going to be better. I choose to be better. And once you're out of the house and you're the adult, you're the adult. You're the parent that says, Janie, get up. Janie, get on your bike. Go exercise, right? We don't have that parent to tell us. And we also have the responsibility. So nobody's telling us what to do, but who are you answering to? Are you telling yourself what to do in a good way? All right. In 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Open your homes to each other without complaining. God might be calling you to host a group. I think that there's going to be more groups starting around here. If, if every seat was filled at every service, we wouldn't have enough small groups for everybody to be in. What does that mean? We need leaders. We need host homes. We need worship leaders. You know, we're going to be developing worship leaders for small groups and for, you know, for other things around here. We love worship around here. And there's a lot of people that are musicians that, you know, you guys have dusty guitars in, your cor- in the corners of your rooms, right? Let's use them for the Lord. Maybe you don't like your neighbors. Well, don't invite them. Just invite people that you like. <laughs> but maybe you want to get to know your neighbors, invite them. You know, maybe you have a group and you haven't ever thought, wow, I, maybe I should tell, you know, people on my street. By the way, on Tuesday nights, you might wonder what we're doing. We have a Bible study and, it's, and you're welcome to come. We'd love to have you. So that's kind of cool. We, we used to have people that thought that we were drug dealers because we had so many cars coming and going in our house. <laughs> No. All right. So God's community is God's answer to loneliness. That's a fill-in. All right. Two, we also need others to work with me. Write that in your notes. Work with me. The Bible says he put you on earth to do a certain, to do a certain job. He has a purpose for your life. He has work for you to do. You might be a leader. You might be a leader apprentice. You might be the person that calls people Reminding them to bring cookies or snack or fruit. Cut up fruit and nuts. <laughs> I said donuts a few weeks ago. Trouble. <laughs> I'm sure there isn't donuts upstairs at the 101 class. All right. If everyone does their part, then it gets all done. Everyone does a little bit. Don't have Mother Teresa syndrome where, where you ha- think you have to do it all. Guess what? Mother Teresa had an army of people that because she started picking up sick people and giving them love as they were dying in India, other people joined in. Other people joined in. So you will not have to do it alone. You've, you've heard it said, snowflakes are frail, but if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. 
right? Just look at the news. East Coast, lots of traffic problems. Why? Because of snowflakes. Snowflakes and raindrops. That is, we are powerful when we stick together. There's a lot more power. All right, God, community is God's answer to fatigue. That's another write-in. All right, as we work together, it's a little easier. We don't do barn raisings in this day and age. But we can do other things together and get things done, right? Galatians says, every time we get the chance, let's work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So we need people to walk with us. We need people to work with us. And what else? We need people to watch out for me in life. We need people to watch out for us and tell us when we're about to walk into a big pit, pit, right? Don't do that. I've been there. Don't go there. Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. Our culture says it's my interests, my wants, my desires, my ambitions. The rest of you forget you. But let's watch out for each other. Not just like Neighborhood Watch where we watch each other's houses, but let's watch out for each other's souls. Let's hang in there. You know, in a small group, if someone isn't there for a week, you notice, and the leader can call that person, how's it going? But sometimes on Sunday, it's hard to notice. It's, you know, you might, you might not notice if, if maybe you thought that person was there, but they weren't there. So it's the smaller groups where we're going to not fall through the cracks, and we don't want to be falling through the cracks, and we don't want other people to either because of us. All right, we need to have people in our lives that can help us with our blind spots. Like I had a spinach shake, not spinach, blueberry shake this morning. If I have blueberry in my teeth, I hope someone tells me. I don't think I do, I did check, but, but you never know. So let's watch out for each other, right? Bible says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. That doesn't mean gossip and talk about everybody else. It means be really concerned about each other. When everyone else is sleeping and somebody stays awake to make sure the enemy isn't coming in, that's watch. That's standing watch if you're in the army. And if you want some hilarious stories about standing watch, you have to ask Ken and Francine Miller, who I think are greeting at the second service. They have a couple funny stories about guns and tripping and Something about a cartwheel. I don't know. But you have to ask them about standing watch. But what else do we have to watch out for? We have to watch out because there's an enemy. There's an enemy that hates us. There's an enemy that lies to us. And sometimes we can't see it. Do you know that the enemy is really patient, sophisticated, and lies in wait to try to trip us up? But if we're there for each other, we can help each other to not go down a bad path. What kind of lies are, are choking you out? Is it that you're defeated? Is it that you're not good enough? Is it that you're a failure? Or do you have resentment or anger against people? What kinds of things are the enemy throwing at you that when you share that in a group and say, I need help, pray for me, I am so angry. I need help. 
or if we just can be there with one another. When someone goes through hard times, we can just come and sit with. That doesn't mean we have to have the answers, because more often than not, our answers, we don't, people don't want our advice. They just want someone to be with us, be, sit with us, and be, be there with us. Can you do that for people? You can do that. You can be with. You don't have to psychoanalyze anyone. But help people when the choking lies come. One of my favorite verses, and I had this inscribed on a wallet when Steve and I got married, Ephesians, Ecclesiastes uh, 4, says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That's a small group. And also I've heard it said in marriages, that's the Holy Spirit is the third cord. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. God... Community is God's answer to defeat when we feel defeated. If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Sometimes we, we say if we, we could if we would, but we can't, so we won't. But that's harder to say when you're in a group. I would if I could. You can, right? The other people in your group are like, you can do that, Janie. You're, you can. That's what we need, people that will hang in there, people that will have grace when we're not perfect, and people that will have encouraging words when we need it. So number four, I need others to wait with me and weep with me. We need people to be there when we're in situations where nobody should be alone. When I was in the hospital waiting for news with Steve, I wasn't alone. People were there with me. Now, when I went in the bathroom and cried out to God, I was alone. But when I came back, people wept with me. and People stood with me. And we don't want to have to wait alone for bad news. We don't want to have to wait alone when someone's in a hard surgery. Someone's spouse left them. Nobody should wait alone. Someone's waiting for news about a problem pregnancy. They shouldn't have to wait alone. We should be there for each other. But we won't even know those things if we're not in a group with each other. So God's safety net is a group of other believers. Peter, it says, you should be like one big family, full of sympathy toward each other. And sympathy is often what we need, not judgment. Something that should never happen in small groups is, you should, okay, Another thing that shouldn't happen in small groups is, I could have told you that would happen. That, that person's never going to open up again. Okay, they call that the prophet. I could have told you that would happen. Or there's plenty more fish in the sea, right? That's just a platitude. Oh, you lost the love of your life, you know? Oh, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Come on. Let's be honest and like reflect back to the person. It sounds like you're devastated because blank. That's the answer that people want. It sounds like your, insert emotion here, because whatever happened, all right? That's the answer. We don't need to, like, hey, I got a verse for you for that. We don't need to be the answer man. We do not need to be the person that says, I will tell you how to live your life. 
because people know how to live their life. They just need the courage to do it, right? We need the courage of other people standing with us saying, you can do this. Go. Go, girl. You know, go, guy. You, you can do this. And that is the power of community. And the last one, we need others to witness with us. And when I say witness, I mean the witness is, what does the world see? The world sees, hopefully, us loving one another. That's what we want our witness to be. Jesus said, you will... He didn't say, uh, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I think that that is something that happens at Granite Creek. People say, see how they love. That church loves each other. That's a place where you can be real. That's a place where you can, you can go and, be, and get encouraged. That's a place where you can serve if you have strength and you can just sit and be healing for a while if you don't. But honestly, don't sit too long. Jump in and minister. Because while we're not all pastors, we are all ministers. And minister means serve. Minister means to serve one another. And God, part of our purpose is discovered when we are serving each other. When we are saying, God, use me. That means we're starting to think outside the box. You know, when we're... When we're baby Christians, we don't know any better. But as we grow a little bit and we read the word and we say, you know what? Hmm, I think God you know, would have me be an encouragement to someone else. And then eventually, uh, God might call you to be a leader or an apprentice with an established leader. And you could say, I could sit with Kathy Gilkey. She's such a good leader. I'll, I'll hold the DVD for her, right? And then one week she says, Janie, play the DVD. Like, right? And you learn to play the DVD, and you read through the questions, and it goes well, and you're like, I did it, right? That's leading. Leading doesn't mean that you have to lead a nation, that you have to lead a, a big company. Leading, you know, I've heard John Wimber say, a leader is the one who, when all the lights go out, they know where the exit is. You only have to be one step ahead of everybody else if you're the leader. Isn't that good? You just have to know the next step. So God's answer to fear is community. And God wants to connect us with others. If the worship team could come back up. It says In Timothy, it says, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with him, them. Philippians says, you're working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. And you don't have to struggle, just walk in love. Just walk in love with other people. So God's answer to fear is community, which is your last write-in. God's answer to fear is community. It's the answer to defeat, to despair, to anger, rejection, all the things that the enemy throws at us during the week. We think red lights are the enemy, but no, it's, <laughs> it's the lies of the enemy that come in. God wants to connect you with others. Grant, 
Granite Creek needs you to connect with others. And I don't want to see you sitting on the sidelines. I want to see us all doing everything that God has prepared for us. Let's pray. And if the ushers could come forward. Father, it's time for the church to be the church, and it's time for a revolution of love and fellowship and community. Lord, begin it in our hearts and use us to help fulfill God's purposes, your purposes, Lord, together. Lord, forgive us for the times that we might have said, I don't need other people in my life. Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing on earth through your family, the church. And God, we're tired of superficial relationships. We want to experience true community. We want to learn to love and be loved in a deeper way. Lord, we open our lives to you. Jesus Christ, come into our live, lives in a deeper way. Accept us into your family. Thank you for this place to belong and grow. Lord, don't let us be passive followers anymore. Teach us about community. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up God's tithes and our offerings. And if you filled out that Connect card, put that in. If you want to sign up for the servant dinner, put that in there too. If you want to sign up for the 201 class coming up, if you want to be in a small group, come to the 201 class. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, 9.30. It's a two-week class. It's a very short, small group. But you will learn some things about spiritual growth. Judy Power is going to be teaching it. She's one of our amazing teachers in the church. So the dates are in there. So I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, jump into this one. And as we get to know you, we'll figure out where you could be in a small group. All right?